mornings. I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, big news this week from the Hancock County Commissioners, unveiling a plan to buy up most of the Findlay Mall. Commissioner Tim Bechtel, who is an architect by trade, explains what they see in terms of potential for the property. Also this morning, Senator Sherrod Brown will join us. We'll discuss criticism of President Biden's multi-trillion dollar infrastructure plan and this week's pledge by the White House to withdraw all U.S. forces from Afghanistan by the 20th anniversary of 9-11 this September. And the Hancock Leadership Program that has helped develop hundreds of community leaders over the years are now accepting applications for the next class of future stewards. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, April 15th, 2021. Today, of course, Income Tax Day, or normally would be Income Tax Day. This year, that deadline has been extended to May 17th, so we don't have to worry about it today. If you haven't uh, already been one of those procrastinators, today is not the deadline. Uh, It is International Pizza Cake Day. Pizza Cake Day. I'm not sure that I have ever had a pizza cake, but I guess today would be the day to try try it. National Glazed Spiral Ham Day. (laughs) Uh, A lot of food things here. Um, National Gripers Day. So today, if you are one of those people that gripes about everything, today is your day. I have to admit, today... I was uh, I was griping. We have some, some technical uh, issues behind the scenes here this morning uh, at the old radio ranch, and so I was I started my day griping. So National Gripers Day. I guess this is my day today. Uh, National High Five Day today. I don't know if we can still do that or not in this age of COVID, but maybe someday soon. National High Five Day. Uh, National Laundry Day, which explains why. It is National Gripers Day, and also would explain this one. It is National That Sucks Day. <laughs> it falls on <laughs> National Laundry Day. Is this a day for everybody to do the laundry? I, I don't know. But anyway, uh, there you go. It is also World Art Day. So reasons to celebrate if you need some today. This is maybe the biggest buzzworthy story of the morning on the, uh, the Newswire. And you know that this is going to generate a lot of discussion on like social media and so on. So I just prepare you now. I'll give you this story so you are prepared for it. You know what's up. You know what's what when you start to see people discussing this. And I'm sure it will generate some lively discussion on social media. The House Judiciary Committee voted yesterday to advance legislation to the full House that would create a commission to study the issue of paying reparations to the descendants of slaves. Now, it was a completely um, one-sided vote. No Republicans on the committee voted in favor of this legislation. Uh, It also has no GOP sponsors, not surprisingly. The commission, it says, would examine slavery and discrimination in the U.S., from the year 1619 all the way to today, and then recommend ways to educate Americans about its findings and advise remedies, including what form of compensation should be given. You know that this is going to generate some lively discussion. 
on social media. You know who your friends are that are politically outspoken on Facebook and, and things like that. They are going to be all up in arms about this, I'm sure. Regardless of which side of the issue you fall on, people are going to go crazy on this. Representative Jim Jordan, the ranking Republican on the committee, charged a commission would have, quote, already decided to take money from people who were never involved in the evil of slavery and give it to people who were never subject to the evil of slavery, unquote. Democrats, on the other hand, says say that there have been government-sponsored actions that discriminated against African-Americans well after the end of slavery. And uh, the notion that I wasn't a slave owner, I've got nothing to do with it, misses the point, they say. It is about our country's responsibility to remedy this wrong and to respond to it in a thoughtful way. For his part, the president has said he supports the idea of studying reparations for the descendants of slaves, which is a, a very important distinction. You notice that the president, Joe Biden, is very politically savvy. He's been around politics in Washington for a long time, so he knows how to say things in the right way so that he doesn't back himself into a corner. He says he supports the idea of studying reparations for the descendants of slaves. He did not say whether he supports the idea of offering reparations to the descendants of slaves. Big difference there. So, again, he's kind of walking that line. But this is going to definitely generate a lot of uh, lively discussion, I'm sure. Talk radio, social media, all the political shout shows on TV and all of that. So just prepare you that this is one of those stories that is out there and uh, and you'll be expecting to hear more of that uh, today. And this is one other uh, story, the other uh, item off the uh, newswire that I thought was uh, most interesting to uh, start your day. If you have a picky eater uh, in your household, and that could be a picky eater of any uh, age, I will freely admit that I am a bit of a picky eater myself. And I know lots of kids are too. So, if you have a picky eater in your house, consider this. Researchers at the University of South Florida say that the order in which your senses interact with food has a huge impact on how much you like it. Let me repeat that. The order in which your senses interact with food has a huge impact on how much you like it. In other words, they say you should look at your food before smelling it. In one experiment, participants rated the same strawberry-flavored fruit snacks packaged in an envelope as tasting better when they could see the item before they smelled it, compared to those who smelled the item before seeing it. Interesting. The lead researcher of the study says basically scents play a very critical role in influencing taste perceptions. However, interestingly, people can process a scent better in their brains when the scent is preceded by a corresponding visual cue, such as color. He says this is an important finding for supermarkets, and they should consider installing more glass cases to help customers see a food item at a distance before they get close enough to smell it. And that would determine... So, um, I guess that is... And maybe that is why, have you ever noticed that when you are feeling under the weather, everything tastes good? 
know if you've noticed that. When you've got a cold and you can't you can't smell anything because your your noses your nasal passages are blocked, your sinuses are blocked or whatever, you can't smell anything. Everything seems better because you can see things before you smell them. Apparently, that may be what. So anyway, if you have a, a picky eater, that is the key. Uh, get your uh, kids or your picky eater to look at the food before smelling it. And they say that'll you can try it. I don't know. Just putting it out there. That's what they say. So, just something. If it helps, you're welcome. I hope that I've been able to uh, to be helpful here. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Thursday morning started. WFIN News, I'm John Marshall. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast is calling for increasing clouds today and a high around 50, partly cloudy tonight with a low 37. The Ohio State Highway Patrol says troopers in northwest Ohio have been making some remarkable traffic stops, directly impacting the safety of communities. The Finley District of the Ohio State Highway Patrol has had a busy start to 2021 in removing drugs and weapons from roadways in northwest Ohio. Our stretch of 75 pretty much goes all the way from Michigan down through Lima and and uh, Finley is a big part of these seizures. Lieutenant Scott Wickhouse says a lot of the drugs they seize originate from Detroit, which makes I-75 a highly traveled area for drug trafficking. Get more on our website. That's our Matt Demchek reporting. Third and fourth graders across Putnam County are taking the trip to the Girding Farm in Ottawa for Farm Safety Days. The visit starts with a mock ATV crash and full EMS response. He was probably driving too fast, wasn't he? Do you guys know how old you have to be to drive one of these? Ruth Girding says this is the 21st Farm Safety Days. Uh, we have had people come here delivering pizza, and they will say, I remember some of the things I've learned. The mock ATV crash included a life flight helicopter landing at the farm. See video on our website. Students at the University of Toledo held a protest as the nation again deals with a high-profile police shooting. Student leaders took to campus calling for U Toledo to be vocally anti-racist right now. A U Toledo spokesperson sent this statement. The University of Toledo welcomes conversations with students and the campus community to strengthen an inclusive environment at U Toledo free of racism, sexism, bigotry, and other negative influences. That's WTOL's Roxanne Elias reporting. The Finlay City Schools Autism Team is sponsoring an event featuring a speaker who is beating the odds. The event on April 28th at Glenwood Middle School will feature high schooler Caden Hooks from Columbus, who has been diagnosed with autism and is also legally blind. Caden recently made national news headlines by making it to the state wrestling tournament. People who attend the event will also hear from his father, Jamie, and learn more about how they beat the odds. I'm John Marshall, WFIN News. The big news this week was the announcement by the Hancock County Commissioners of their intention to purchase most of the Findlay Mall property. The plan of locating the probate and juvenile court in the space, addressing an issue that has been festering for several months now, who are the commissioners, raises the issue as well. Could it also begin to answer another lingering question? That being how to repurpose, redevelop, and re revitalize uh, that large-scale footprint of mostly unused space at the mall. Coming up here in just a bit, we'll pose that question to Commissioner Tim Bechtel. But to put it into some context here this morning, when news came in September of last year that the Finley Mall had been sold, 
Hancock County Economic Development Director Tim Miley joined us on the program to talk about what the future might hold for the mall property. It is today's Throwback Thursday. It seems as though from what we have learned from the buyers that they are not interested in trying to revitalize the mall in the traditional sense. They're looking at thinking out of the box. Yeah, if you go to their website, that's the first thing they talk about is, is the changing. they embracing entrepreneurism and, and working through because the traditional soft goods of malls are, unless you're Franklin Park in Toledo or mm-hmm. down in Columbus, right. you're just not going to. And COVID has accelerated the use of Amazon and, right. and shopping for right. everybody else. So it, you do need to, um, we'll still have sh- retail. Mm-hmm. We need retail, but yeah. you do need, we have such a large footprint, you need to find some other uses. Is the thought process that it will be generally populated by local entrepreneurs or well, are... If you, are go to the, if you go to the, fir- the, the main business plan mm-hmm. is to get bodies in the mall, to get people there first. Mm-hmm. And then how you do that is really up to them and us helping help shape that message they've mentioned call centers i don't know if that will happen we're going in with no blinders it could be some residential so some people could live in out there and then they could have some amenities nearby it then their model the key is getting traffic and energy there because that makes the 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 pitch to tenants to come in much easier in my mind when i hear you say that uh, i think of more attractions such as the children's museum which is already there that's a good example the challenge it seems will be to parlay that and get other retailers and other right. to recognize the opportunities. So there. we're going to use the experience of Cohen because when you take a look, this is their model. They mm-hmm. go into spaces that have vacant space and are trying to repurpose it in some form. They've done it all over the country, so they know the types of uses. They've done it in urban areas. They've done it in rural areas. So I'm looking forward when I was talking to Mike yesterday to really understand what has worked, what hasn't worked. Tell us the types of leases that you're going after who are the populations that you like of because not only you need people there but you need people that are going to eventually spend some money there so clearly they uh see an opportunity there because a lot of folks for for a number of years have said you know what is the the future right. of this mall and malls in general there's certainly been a lot of them that have been abandoned or or demolished right but there definitely seems to be a future there is and take a look at tiffin avenue corridor Mm-hmm. It's not like retail's dead out there. Some of it has moved from the mall, mm-hmm. but if you if you look on the south side of 224 over the past five years, there's been a lot of new construction, a lot of new tenants go in there. Dick Sporting Goods went in on the north side, so that is still a pretty vibrant retail corridor. Mm-hmm. We still have a surplus of people coming in from surrounding communities to shop here. So there is when you run the economic model, there there's a there's an opportunity. The next question then becomes, what what kind of time frame and how what does that look like in in terms of revitalization? So I think there's different pieces to the puzzle. Uh, we have to back it out a little bit because as we've talked before, Tiffin Avenue corridor, in my opinion, could use some work. It could be aesthetically, it could be for safety. There's a lot of curb cuts out there. Mm-hmm. People drive fast. There's no center left turn lane, so it becomes conf- in some areas. So it's, it's a corridor that I think if we're going to redevelop this and try to get more people out there, we've done this downtown with the model. When we worked with ODOT with safety grants, there's a lot of resources out there. And not that we dramatically want to change the look of Tiffin Avenue, but I think we could have some major improvements out there. And that is something that we've talked about forever, but it's hard 
to really get it going. We talk about catalytic events. Mm -hmm. This may be, if this turns out to be the right developer, a catalytic event to change that corridor. With respect to the the mall property and the the development or redevelopment uh, of that, the reimagining of that, how closely will you be working with uh, those developers and making that happen? So I was really happy yesterday on the call with Cohen um, Gumberg. We would help with the marketing, but Mm -hmm. they never allowed us in the deal. And they wouldn't necessarily tell us who they're talking to. Cohen's taking a different approach. He said, you're the boots on the ground. We would we welcome you talking to developers. So, And he's okay with us pitching directly to developers. Before, we're, we weren't really able to do that. Uh, Gumberg wanted to control that, which was fine. I understand that. But now we have a partner that's really going to try to let us help. And so this will be our opportunity to, to truly have a say in it. Again, some of the uh, comments from Hancock County Economic Development Director Tim Miley from September of last year when it was announced that the mall property was coming under new ownership and what the future might hold for the property. It is today's throwback Thursday. Fast forward to this week with the Hancock County Commissioners announcing their intention to purchase most of the mall property. Commissioner Tim Bechtel uh, is with us uh, this morning. Uh, Tim, of course, is an architect by trade, so... Uh, perfect person to kind of uh, talk about the possibilities uh, for this space. Tim, thanks very much for uh, dropping by. First of all, we appreciate it. Thanks so much, Chris, for having us. Yes, it's a great day here in Hancock County. So let's talk a little bit. First of all, uh, when we say that you are uh, proposing buying up most of the mall property, uh, talk about what that is. You're not talking about kind of the bookend uh, segments, the uh, stock and field or big R uh, space. And then on the opposite end of the mall, the space where Best Buy, Dunham's, and uh, TJ Maxx was formerly located. Those would, would be separate. Yes. Basically, you would, basically the, the commissioners would buy up everything in between, though, right? Yes. We, we really got interested in this property after uh, Cohen announced that they were subdividing it into lots. Because we didn't really need to buy the entire thing and become landlords to... Uh, businesses that we didn't need to take care of. Mm-hmm. We were mostly interested in the empty spaces. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, these, uh, what used to be originally the Kmart at the West End, and right. what used to be the Sears at the East End, mm-hmm. are separate lots now. Right. So we can abut up to those, and uh, certainly we hope that those uh, businesses thrive and we'll, we'll bring some county business their way. Now, it does, the, the section that the commissioners would become, would become owners of uh, doesn't include those retailers that we just mentioned, but it does include uh, the Cedar Creek Church, uh, what is now Cedar Creek Church, and the uh, space of the Children's Museum yes. uh, is in. And the, the things that immediately come to mind with respect to those uh, big tenants um the cedar creek church uh, property uh having a, a church uh, or the commissioners being the uh, government entity being landlord for a church uh you can see where that might raise some eyebrows uh, among some folks any concern with that at all nothing initially uh we don't intend to kick anybody out of their current leases right um we may do a little reshuffling here to um, get some of the corridors to fit all, all with county offices together. Mm-hmm. But we'll investigate that. What's the nice thing is starting today, uh, we're scheduled to sign the letter of intent. We, we told everybody about this on Tuesday before we actually um, put any pen to paper for it. Mm-hmm. We have 75 days after today to do all of our due diligence, check everything out. So that'll from, be part of From the building as far, and also as far as all the leases yeah. to make sure we're, we're good to go. And because the other, the other question with respect to the uh, Children's Museum, uh, you know, they, 
that is a, a wonderful location for the Children's Museum. Folks who remember that uh, initially when they located in the mall, they were thinking that would be kind of a temporary home until they found permanent digs, but they discovered it was uh, really a, a wonderful spot, um, not having to deal with traffic and kids in and out and, and so on and so forth. Um, but it, would there be, you wonder if there is uh, any concern being that within that proximity, that close proximity to the probate and juvenile court, uh, which you know, some of those uh, issues, uh, as with any court, can get uh, a bit emotional and, and so on. Has Obviously, it's only been a, a few days, but you envision uh, any issues there? We're, we're planning on putting the probate juvenile court within the J.C. Penny box, um, and that's 62,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. And we're only going to need twenty to 25,000 square feet for that. And we're also going to have a separate security entrance, mainly using that west door mm-hmm. to JCPenney's as the entrance for the to address any of those JC, or for the um, uh, probate juvenile court. <laughs> the other part of the probate juvenile court that we can't forget about is that's also where all the adoptions happen. So what greater thing to take your kid to after you've had the adoption ceremony than over to the Children's Museum? A valid point. A valid point. It also brings up uh, the issue, uh, as you alluded to, this is actually much more space than you need for the probate juvenile court specifically. What about the rest of that space? What's the idea there? What's the thought process? Yeah, we have identified in the the picture that has been um, put out in the media, the orange section that we've identified comes up to about 178,000 square feet that we see as potential county office use. That would be the former J.C. Penney, the former Elder Beerman, the corridor connecting those two, and uh, some of the other There's uh, a little spaces. block off to the yeah. side. Yeah. Just uh, uh, nearby uh, what is now Dunham Sports. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. through that separate corridor, yes. Yeah. So we're going to go through now in the 75 days uh, and talk to each of our county officials, uh, county elected officials and all the department heads. Mm -hmm. And we're going to see who really needs more space to function in their office. And are they going to be a better fit out here? Uh, This is all single level. It's all handicap accessible. Mm -hmm. Plenty of parking. It really checks off a lot of our um, strategic planning um, boxes that we had set up a couple years ago for a lot of our county offices. What about then for the the rest of that space? Uh, again, when we were talking a little bit earlier, uh, replaying our conversation with uh, Tim Miley, the hope was that uh, we could repurpose some of the larger formerly retail space uh, un- that is uh, currently unused, uh, and then that would help revitalize uh, retail in, in some of the other uh, spaces. Is that kind of your th- same thought process with this? We are going to be looking at all options available. We believe that some of the county traffic that we're going to be bringing in, not just probate juvenile court traffic, but any of the other offices that we bring in here, will help um, um, revitalize some of the shopping in the rest of the mall. We're also um, um, looking into options. You know, could we put a food court in this uh, center space? And actually, where you could order food from several different um, uh, places and then actually eat in between and have the and not have the the dining inside those restaurants, but they could service that mm-hmm. center space. It's the yellow section that they show we show on the map is very generous. There's a lot of indoor space that could yeah. be used there. You're basically the corridors. Yeah, all uh, the corridors that are unleased yeah. right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and who if if that were to come to pass uh, with respect to restaurants, retail, whatever it might happen to be in those other unused spaces that the county doesn't need. 
Um, would that be something that the county manages directly? Would you uh, do you envision uh, a management company uh, handling the uh, you know logistics of that? The- we have a couple options for something this size. You know, obviously this is a tremendously big structure over. What we're interested in is over 335,000 square feet. Um, we could do a private company to manage that for us. We could also do hire that staff directly with the commissioners. Um, currently, we um, lease out space at the Ag Center to uh, multiple agencies. We lease out space uh, to multiple agencies at the BMV. Um, the JFS uh, building out on 140 is also uh, leased out, um, along with portions of the old county home so we have a history of this and also it's kind of interesting to note that this potential purchase does not come without precedent from the county because our current county offices are sitting in the old elder Beerman office down uh, downtown finley <laughs> very uh, a very good point would that be something that uh, you would be looking at at relocating a commissioner's office and and all of that as well that certainly is one of the options that we have there yeah because we would like to have better public presence. You know, our Tuesday and Thursday morning meetings are on our first floor conference room right next to the um, Scramblers restaurant. Mm-hmm. And we, um, we're we right there available for foot traffic uh, on, on Main Street. And we don't get a whole lot of people that come and are interested in our meetings. If we put it out here, um, we'll see what other kind of foot traffic is um, we, we do a lot of county business on behalf of the citizens of Hancock County. So it, it sounds uh, it sounds as though uh, there are some some general ideas, some general plans, but as yet not a whole lot of uh, specifics. How do you envision the the kind of process of fleshing all of that out again? Because uh, you're looking at signing the letter of intent and and completing the purchase uh, in fairly short order. Uh, and then it, it it almost sounds like we're going to buy it, and then we're going to figure out what we're going to do with it. To some extent, it was. The, the primary driver here was the probate juvenile court. Mm-hmm. Uh, our yeah. meeting on Tuesday began with an update from the architect where we were talking about renegotiating or relocating elevators within the building to get the safest transit of the ju- uh, juvenile probation, or I'm sorry, the juvenile detainees in and out of the building, in and out of the courtrooms. That cost, as we were studying this, is, is hovering between 8 and $11 million for a two-story building downtown for one of our county offices for $3.7 million. That's what I was going to say. What's the... We're picking up this entire um, center section so of the mall. Talking, so you're talking just under uh, $4 million for the purpose, uh, purchase, and then what uh, is the would be the budget or what would be the estimate cost estimate of renovating and making it useful for this purpose? We need to work with the architect on that because now in a interior build-out, you don't have roof structure, you don't have exterior walls, you don't have floor. For the vast majority of it, we don't have a lot of parking to work with. So there's a lot of costs taken out of that a larger price point for a whole new building downtown. Plus, we get to keep our parking lot downtown next to the post office, and that, that's used by the city as well as county employees. Real quickly, uh, w- with respect to that, this does... Uh kind of split up uh, some of the uh, operations uh, a little bit uh, from downtown Dorney Plaza uh, all the way out to the uh, mall property. Is there any concern of not having all of those operations, particularly for all of the courts, more centrally located? The probate juvenile um, division of the common police court does work 
in in some senses a little independently of the other two court the other two common pleas courts mm-hmm. but at the same time we are also previously talking about putting the domestic relations court in this new uh, construction in the new building so we're going to flush that out also do they stay in the courthouse now or do they go and follow the probate juvenile court out to jc penny's store then we have other offices so many of the county offices are interconnected mm-hmm. like um the recorder does a lot of work with the probate court right so would it make sense for that office to follow out there mm-hmm. and then the recorder the auditor and treasurer all work together on the second floor of the courthouse now is there any um is there any advantage to move them out there as well for better public access to those offices because those are all three high traffic offices that come and go out of the courthouse so a lot of possibilities oh, yes. and a great number of uh, questions yet to be answered timeline for all of this i mean when 75 days well right (laughs) but that's not it's not going to be the probate uh, juvenile court won't be in there in 75 days that's what i mean what kind of time frame uh, for those operations that you know would be going in there the probate juvenile court being the main one what kind of time frame are you looking at there We'd be looking at a, a couple more months to finish architectural plans for bidding. Okay. But then again, for an interior build-out, we have a much shorter time frame to get the, uh, the project done. Fair We'd enough. be looking still in the year 2022 to get her uh, open and, um, and get Judge Johnson's operations in, in order. We, so. we, will, uh, we will leave it there for now. A uh, lot more to talk about, and I'm sure this is not the last time we will revisit this, uh, this uh, topic. Again, uh, Commissioner Tim Bechtel with us this morning. Tim, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate Thanks it. so much, Chris. Well, a lot of debate over the president's plan to spend more than $2 trillion on infrastructure. A large chunk of that, everyone agrees, needs to be addressed. But the broad definition of the term has raised objections. We are joined on the line this morning in a couple minutes with uh, Senator Sherrod Brown. Senator, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. Uh, the president says he is willing to compromise on this uh, huge infrastructure plan that he has uh, unveiled. Where are the areas of this bill where you would be willing to compromise in the Senate? I, I want to do what the public needs us to do. And, you know, it's not, it's not really up to a bunch of elected officials, whether it's Mitch McConnell or whether it's me. It's not Rob Portman, any of it. It's not up to us to decide if the bill's partisan, let the public decide if what if it's a nonpartisan or a partisan effort. Because I, I the, the first the first bill we passed back in March uh, was you know was passed on a quote unquote partisan vote, but if something like sixty five percent of working class Trump voters uh, liked liked the bill, like what we did. So um, that's that's the measure to me. I'll figure out. I mean, I've I've done bipartisan stuff all my career. That's how I went in a state like Ohio. I understand that. But um, I want to do what the public wants, and the public wants us to invest in infrastructure, and that means water, sewer, bridges, highways. But it also means education. It also means housing. It also means broadband in rural communities. Uh, and um, that, you know, and in places like Genera, I mean, I, I don't think broadband reach in Hancock counties is as good as it should be, let alone in more rural areas than than, than you're in. 
the other uh, question mark uh, with respect to this is obviously how to pay for it all. And the president uh, has uh, said that a, an increase in the corporate tax rate is uh, how it will be paid for. You, along with a couple of your colleagues uh, in the Senate, have unveiled a framework for what you describe as a fairer tax system that would incorporate uh, a, a corporate income tax increase. Yeah, there are there are more than, than fifty of the Fortune five hundred that that for three years have paid no federal income tax, yet made significant profits, and their executives did stock buybacks and were compensated with millions and millions of dollars. So um, it's, it's closing those loopholes. It's changing our international tax rules so these companies can't move their their production overseas, cost us jobs, or just move their accounting. Uh, production, if you will, to Ireland and avoid taxes. So you start with that. Um, and we also know that the, that four years ago, that Congress passed a huge tax cut that went to the wealthiest people in this country and the biggest corporations, and it, and it didn't trickle down and help workers. It didn't trickle down and help communities. So we just take some of that, that big tax giveaway away. We fix what needs to be fixed internationally so companies can't avoid taxes. Uh, and we essentially we pay for most of the infrastructure that way. In the end, do you believe that you can uh, get this uh, bill through as it exists, or will there have to be something cut from it? I mean, uh, even Senator Joe Manchin has said that uh, he cannot support the bill in its uh, existing uh, term. This is going to be a lot more difficult uh, to get through on a one-party vote. Well, we don't want it to be a one-party vote, but I, you know, I, I of course there will be changes. I, I never, I mean, every bill, I have, every big bill like this you vote on, you don't agree with 100% of it. So we'll continue to have discussions. We need to move quickly. We know what's happened with infrastructure in this country. Uh, we know that, um, you know, in, in, in Hancock County, everywhere, the, the, the roads, the bridges. I, I spoke to the mayor, I sp- spoke to the mayor recently at some length about what she's going to do with some of those dollars that came from Washington and how important they are. And we want to make sure that police and fire aren't laid off and children's service workers. We want to make sure that, that the little township bridges, the little culvert bridges, there's, there's hundreds of those around the state that are, that are falling, that are, that are eroding and, 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 and rusting in some cases and all of that. So um, we just know we have a lot of work to do. Want to ask you also about the uh, real quickly about the uh, story that uh, came out yesterday. The uh, president uh, pledging to withdraw U.S. forces from Afghanistan by the 20th anniversary of 9/11 this September. Your thoughts on that uh, decision, uh, which the uh, president, I believe, he said uh, it was not necessarily the uh, Pentagon's call. That was his call, and there has been some criticism of whether or not. I mean, his predecessors have tried to do the same thing. Both President Obama and President Trump talked about uh, bringing troops home, and were not able to. Uh, is this going to be able to happen in that time frame? Neither, yeah, ne- yes, it is. Neither President Obama nor. Uh, President Trump had much foreign policy experience in their careers. I mean, almost none, both of them. And and Biden's been working on these kinds of things. He was a uh, senior member of the Senate on foreign affairs issues, foreign relations issues. Um, I, I'm confident he knows what he's doing here. We've been in Afghanistan 20 years, 20 years. And, um, you know, Americans have died there. It's not, it's not, it's 
our mission. Our mission is accomplished as far as it can be there. Um, I, I support President Biden in wanting to bring the troops home. I think that's a good day to to bring a, to do a well organized withdrawal. You're not just one day pulling them out. He knows what he's doing. Secretary Blinken knows what he's doing. Secretary Austin knows what he's doing, and um, I think it's the right way to go. There have been uh, concerns raised that this will make it more difficult to gather intelligence uh, on international terrorism uh, without a U.S. presence in that region. Do you share that concern? I, I think that's overstated. I, I, I recognize that there have not. I mean, look at the terrorist incidents in this country in the last 10 years, and they've been almost always domestic, homegrown uh, you know, American citizen terrorism. They, the, the foreign terrorism is, it's not over. It's not done with. We don't just ignore it, the potential. We continue our intelligence gathering, but we've done it really well as a country. It's the domestic terrorists from the January 6th storming of the Capitol to um, a number of other individual shooting incidents where large numbers of people have been killed, and not to mention all the ones that, that the FBI has stopped. So, um, our focus needs to be more there. It doesn't mean we, we stop the other, but it needs to be more on domestic terrorism. And we will leave it there as we are out of time. Again, uh, Senator Sherrod Brown with us this morning. Thanks for uh, your time. We appreciate it. Of course. Thanks always. Thanks, Chris. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news is brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. And we begin in Florida because it always seems like there's something odd and unusual going on in Florida. This from Interlochen, Florida. I'm not sure where that is, to be honest. But anyway, uh, so there are three kids that are home alone. Uh, oldest is 16. Uh, he's watching his uh, siblings. Um, youngest one is seven. Uh, I'm not sure the middle age, but seven to 16. Anyway, they're uh, home alone where their uh, mom is at work. You know, just an every uh, everyday average uh, average day. But they were awakened to a stranger making breakfast. <laughs> uh, the report from the county sheriff's office says the uh, kids came downstairs in the morning to find one Wendy Kaufman who had broken into the home and she was uh, just standing there in the kitchen fixing herself a cup of coffee and uh, mixing up a plate of eggs. <laughs> she had broken into the home, brewed some coffee, making some breakfast. When mom came home, Ms. Kaufman apparently waited on the porch. As officers responded, she has been charged with burglary of an occupied dwelling. Because <laughs> she stole the eggs and the coffee. Is that nothing else seemed to be missing? Uh, why she did this? Who knows? But it's a little disconcerting. <laughs> Kids come downstairs. Somebody's making breakfast in the kitchen. Who are you? <laughs> uh, elsewhere in the uh, broken news, fortunately nobody heard. But uh, it'd have been a very strange story. Uh, in Lufkin, Texas, a German shepherd is finally freed after getting stuck underneath a truck. Um, the uh, German shepherd goes by the name Booger. What a name. Uh, apparently was startled when storms ran through the uh, went through the area recently. And he uh, ran out the door and hid under the uh, undercarriage of the truck and became trapped. The owner of the dog told authorities that he that he found Booger after noticing his tail uh, sticking out from under the truck. He had no idea for the longest time. He couldn't figure out what happened to the dog. Did he run off? Did he, you know something happen? 
but then he noticed the tail uh, of the dog under the truck, but he couldn't get the dog out. Firefighters had to remove the front drive shaft and sway bar of the truck in order to free the dog. Fortunately, Booger reportedly not hurt in the incident. But crazy is that it had to remove the drive shaft. Uh, that was one squ- scared puppy there. And that's fortunately he's okay. Uh, let's see. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, kind of a light day for broken news, actually. In North Carolina, uh, Jack Walter celebrating after an unexpected delay left him a rich man. Uh, Mr. Walter tells state lottery officials that he decided to buy some scratch-off lottery tickets just to kill time after he went to the uh, store and found his prescription was not ready to be picked up yet. So he had a few minutes to kill. So he bought some uh, lottery tickets, and wouldn't you know it, one of those turned out to be a $200,000 winner. Man. I don't, I'm not sure whether to be happy for that guy or so insanely jealous that I just hate him. I don't know. $200,000 just waiting for his prescription. This is a, a pandemic-related problem you likely would not have predicted. In England, there is an entire town... That has been taken over by a herd of goats. Uh, the town of Land Landudno. I don't know. Landudno. Uh, normally, the uh, goats near the town would receive uh, contraceptive injections to keep their numbers low. They actually do this, I guess, on a regular basis. They keep the uh, population of the wild goats in check. But those injections were not given this year because of the pandemic. The result is that a larger-than-normal herd has reportedly traveled into the town in search of food. (laughs) The whole town has been overrun by goats. Local councilwoman Louise Emery told the media, It is a great concern, especially at nighttime, because they tend to wander more at night and the roads have been very quiet. Drivers can literally come around the corner and be faced with eight or nine goats in the road. Imagine if you're a town councilman in that town and you say, this is not what I signed up for. This is not not what I expected to be dealing with. <laughs> a horde of goats overrunning the town. And finally, uh, this morning in the uh, broken news, this is our uh, viral uh, video of the day or a viral sensation of the day. Uh comes from a, a TikTok user who recently responded to a challenge that called on people to share their most meaningless tattoo. This is the uh, challenge. Somebody said, show us your most meaningless tattoo. And this woman revealed that she got a tattoo on the inside of her arm that uh, is kind of a kid's drawing of a pirate cove and a giant rock uh, next to a palm tree. She got the design because she thought it was a cool picture that her son had drawn. You know, young son... And why you have that tattooed, I mean, most people just hang it on the refrigerator. She decided to have it tattooed on her body. Uh, this uh, Here's the problem. She found out later <laughs> that it was not her son who drew the uh, picture. It was one of her son's friends <laughs> that she had tattooed onto her arm. Um, in a subsequent video, she admits she never told the, her, her son's friend's parents <laughs> that she had a tattoo of their son's drawing on her arm. I can see where that would be a bit embarrassing. They have to admit that. <laughs> hey, I put your son's drawing and tattooed it on my arm. What? 
Uh, anyway, there you go. That is uh, today's broken news. This report on the uh, odd and unusual side of the headlines brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Take WFIN wherever you go with our updated mobile apps for iPhone and Android. And now you can listen to us on your Alexa device. Get the app at WFIN.com or in the App Store or Google Play. Plus, enable Alexa by searching for WFIN under Skills and you'll soon be saying, Alexa, play 1330 WFIN. And the best part is the apps and skills are absolutely free. On the air at 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Online at WFIN.com and on your smartphone, tablet, and Alexa devices. Now your daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. Netflix seems to be the top choice among Americans for original programming on streaming services. Every streaming service has their own original slate of programming. It's the thing, in thing now. A new survey from Morgan Stanley says... 38% of respondents pick Netflix as the streaming service with the best original programming. Uh, about 12% of respondents said Amazon Prime Video is their top choice for original programming. Uh, meanwhile, Disney Plus, Hulu, HBO Max each garnered around 6 to 7% of the responses labeling them as the best of the bunch. And all three of those spending a lot of money on original programming. You wonder, is it paying off? Interesting stuff. The Hancock Leadership Program that has helped develop hundreds of uh, community leaders over the years, now accepting applications for their uh, next class of future stewards in the community. Uh, Dion Neubauer, the uh, Finley-Hancock County uh, Alliance, the Chamber of Commerce, uh, with us uh, this morning. And uh, the Hancock Leadership Program is uh, one that has been around since when? I don't even 1985. remember. 1985. And good morning. Happy good morning. Thursday to you and our audience. But yeah, 1985 is when the first class formed. So we are ready to accept applications for next year's class so it's a nine-month program focused on developing and cultivating those who have an interest in and a passion to serve our community one of the other uh, great parts about uh, hancock leadership is uh, it's an introduction to really all of the cogs that, that make the community work uh, which i know in, in speaking with uh, graduates is uh, it's really quite the education uh, about uh, aspects of uh, the the community that they previously really had no knowledge of. Absolutely. So. In fact, many people will say, you know, I've lived here my entire life, right. but I didn't know about this. this. I didn't know yeah. about that. And that's the beauty of the program. One day a month, we focus on a different aspect. One month, it could be agriculture. Mm -hmm. could, another month could be business and economic development. It could be city and county infrastructure. So we really dive deep into a particular subject matter once a month, and it's a full full eight-hour day. A full day. Uh, now, in years past, I mean, as you mentioned, this is a nine-month uh, program. It's been an, uh, it's an in-person thing once a, once a month. Last year, obviously, it kind of threw a monkey wrench in, in everything. It absolutely did. In fact, we took a step back. We continued with the program, smaller mm -hmm. class, which actually has been a very beneficial because um, it's made us work kind of think creatively mm -hmm. and innovative where we are continuing to every session day check temperatures we wear right. masks individual right. hand sanitation and but you know 
one of the great things is that we've really explored the outdoors, taking advantage mm-hmm. uh, of the outdoors. In fact, the first time ever we met as a class at one of the hangars at the airport, had the door open, so, fresh air in. Yeah. So, yes, we are thinking creatively. So, uh, I guess the reason I point that out is uh, now coming into uh, 2021, uh, in the 2022 class, you anticipate uh, return to sort of normalcy as far as that goes? Absolutely. In fact, we're going to continue those safety uh, precautions, mm-hmm. keeping everyone um, safe as best that we can on our end. But yeah, so we are continuing to move forward, safety in mind being creative taking advantage of the outdoors as well okay so uh how do folks uh, apply to be members of hancock leadership what is involved so application costs scholarship opportunities are all on our website at finleyhancockchamber.com slash hancock leadership and uh this it, it what is involved in uh, in the application process? I mean, is this something you do in you know ten minutes, or does it take a, a while to uh, fill out uh, everything that needs to be filled out, submit everything that needs to be submitted? The, really, the application takes no more than five to seven minutes. Okay, so it's a little bit of background, but we are also interested in learning from the applicants what they feel is the, one of the biggest challenges for our community. So we'll take that information and then also match it when we are putting together the daily session agendas. So that actually uh, plays into you know the the curriculum, I guess, for the uh, for the program for the coming year. It does. It does. So unique uh, in in that respect. This is a, a program that has been uh, adapted and copied in many uh, places around the around the country. Actually. It has. In fact, um, I get together with my colleagues, and some programs have halted completely some have gone zoom completely so mm-hmm. there have been a lot of variations and we compare notes and yeah. um, share ideas but do we zoom at times only if need need to but again safety is most important yeah uh and, and again the the whole idea here is to grow future community leaders and and that actually is a component of what you do through the course of the year uh, with a service project uh, at the end of the year and so on kind of talk about that that aspect uh, of it Absolutely. So part of the program, yes, we learn about the community, different aspects, but there's a leadership component. We talk about leadership is not necessarily a title or position. Many times community leaders have to motivate others without having that authority over them. In the meantime, they, they, the class members, are coming together working as a team for a class project. In fact, this weekend you're going to see members of the class of 2021 out at the Little Red Schoolhouse because they have partnered with Kiwanis and the Hancock Historical Museum to create a history walk. So you're going to see some activity out there this weekend. And that is one of the uh, one of the things the class actually uh, decides uh, on that project collectively, uh, and then and then makes it happen. Uh, so that is a, a component of it uh, as well. And beyond the actual uh, class or the the actual year that people are involved, uh, many of the alumni continue to be involved and this becomes kind of a networking uh and and long-term uh connections that are made it does there is an alumni association keep in mind part of the program that one goes through is that we provide leadership opportunities so we're encouraging individuals to go out and serve in their community whether it's running for a school board or a village um, component like the mayor or city council so we are encouraging them to serve in any capacity 
based on the information that they're learning we're presenting to them. Now, having said all of this, folks uh, might think that this is uh, exclusively for young people, young adults, uh, just entering the quote-unquote real world, maybe uh, just fresh out of college and so on. And and certainly there are a number of those individuals, younger uh, folks within the community that are involved, but this is open to anyone. It's open to anyone. Anyone who lives and or works in the Hancock County community, does it, it's not based on years of service mm-hmm. one may have in their profession. So again, it is open to all, and we encourage everyone to participate. And most of the... Uh, most of the class members uh, are uh, sponsored by their uh, work uh, workplace, but again, that's not a prerequisite either. It is not a prerequisite. In fact, that's why we have a scholarship program courtesy mm-hmm. of the Alumni Association. But again, from a business standpoint, it's a great opportunity for, for doing some networking from a business-to-business standpoint. Sure. Also an opportunity for employees employers to invest in their employees locally for leadership opportunities i mean let's keep in mind there's no travel cost involved right so you can learn in a nine-month program locally and uh Obviously, the the goal is to cultivate these leaders and keep them uh, within the Hancock County community. Uh, whether, but you know, sometimes uh, they will take these uh, opportunities or take this knowledge and uh, help build up other communities as well. But the goal is to ultimately uh, build better in this community. Build better in this community, and then they also have an opportunity to share the information that they're right. receiving with their family and friends and coworkers to get them involved as well. So the application process is open now. Uh, we were mentioning it's a relatively simple process to, to get it all started. What is the application deadline? And give us all of the details. Uh, nuts and bolts of it so application is online as you mentioned we are accepting them now through june 9th okay and again should take no more than five to seven minutes go to finleyhancockchamber.com slash hancock leadership and you'll get all the information and then the uh program actually begins when in august in august okay starts in august ends in may all right uh again uh, dion neubauer the uh, hancock leadership program uh accepting applications for their class of 2022 is it be 21 22 correct uh, and uh, we've got the link up on our webpage for more information. Dion, thanks very much for dropping thank by. You, we appreciate it. And that will wrap up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program. A lot of good stuff. You can learn more about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the program at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net. Uh, coming up tomorrow on the program, Hancock County Adamus has received a huge grant to address substance abuse issues in the community. We'll learn more about it, how that money will be allocated from the Alcohol, Drug Abuse, and Mental Health Services. And Representative Bob Latta will join us to talk about his recent visit to the southern U.S. border as well. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.